0: it's really important you spend more time on laboratory and research, doing the research on the materials or particular failure, and then go back onto the If you're doing the failure, then go back, work your way back, how this failure can happen, what process it came through,
1: what was the material and those stuff. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the It's a Material World podcast. I'm your host, Puneet. I'm with my co-host, David. How's it going?
2: Pretty good. I just returned from Europe uh, where I went for some work travel. So, pretty jet lagged. <laughs> how was that, David? Like, how so much of it was
1: actually in the factory, or, you know, versus like getting some time to explore Germany, if anything?
2: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I did work. But luckily, the weekend was mine. So I I went around and saw a bunch of sites. So it was very fun. My second or third time being to Europe. So it was lots of fun. But yeah, it's like a nine hour time difference from California. So I found myself falling asleep at like eight or nine p.m. and waking (laughs) up at like six or seven. So I'm still getting used to the time difference, but it was a good time. But I think it, it was a good time. How about you? How are you feeling? I'm good. I'm good.
1: I've been a little bit sick under the weather this week. You can maybe hear it in my voice. So this is kind of, you know, recording this podcast is like a Michael Jordan flu game, if you will, you know, Um, but
2: (laughs) as a bold take to (laughs) claim for yourself there. But okay.
1: I mean, it's the same thing, I would say. (laughs) I was thinking, you know, just kind of looking at our backgrounds, we've moved around quite a bit. Like we've had a bunch of different podcast backgrounds, you know, you in different settings, with different internships are back in Atlanta or, you know, me in Minneapolis, St. Paul and now Chicago. So it's just kind of cool to see just over time over the past few years, just like how our lives have changed, how we've moved around to a lot of different places. But yeah, I mean, overall, I've been good. Went to a wedding last weekend as well. So it's just another reminder of us getting older, but also seeing like our friends having like major life accomplishments. It's just been, it's been a good time.
2: Awesome. Oh yeah. So we can jump into today's episode where we talk to Nick Tandell, who's the head of quality and process at ASW Pang, where he talks mostly about metallurgy and failure analysis of metallurgy. And he was very informative as he talks about the entire process as well. What does he does? What does metallurgy do in general? And kind of just a broad overview of the field as he's had lots of experience. So with that being said, what was your favorite part of the episode?
1: Yeah, I think it was cool hearing about specifically failure analysis and what you're looking at, like the methodologies that you implement, but also the material science principles that you learn in class and how you implement the combination of the two to kind of get to the root cause, specifically in process if there's any failures or anything that you have to kind of continue to dive into and adjust so that you can get back to manufacturing efficiently and a high level of quality. So he touched on a lot of different principles whether it's like the lean problem solving, lean manufacturing, but also the failure analysis methods or the tools that you can use, whether it's optical microscopy to look at the microstructure or in, you know a higher level scanning electron microscopy as well. So it just was kind of like, it just reminded me of my past experiences, you know, like the metallurgy classes that we took, talking about Martensite and austenizing temperature. And then also, you know, my internship where you're learning about lean and Six Sigma methodologies, and then also, you know, materials characterization as well. So it was just really cool to see how all of those can come into play and how he leverages those as well as just continuous innovation On the manufacturing side, 2x his company's revenue in one year. You know, that's just a crazy feat. So it was just cool to see how the results can come from what we've learned in our academic and industrial settings.
2: What about you? Yeah, I thought it was really interesting that usually when we talk to guests, we're talking about the end product. So the startup who's making this one product and trying to revolutionize like the field. But from his point of view, it's more of the manufacturer, like the supplier. And so they mostly focus on spring wire, which is then sent to a bunch of different manufacturers for their end product. So it's interesting hearing about the process of creating from raw material to the actual material that will be used to be the final manufactured equipment and how that goes into how you talk about process, how you talk about scaling and more of a generalized approach, but still making it at scale. And so where, for example, you or I would be focused on maybe one or two products, he's focused on like 10 or like 20, where he has to check the quality of each of these different products to see how that affects like the final output. And so I thought that was an interesting take about hearing his thought process on how the entire process works to be able to produce and provide for a bunch of different applications.
1: For sure, for sure. And at the end of the episode, he also just shares advice for material science students on kind of how to successfully implement a lot of those failure analysis methodologies and maybe what classes to take, internships, etc. what methodologies to learn to set themselves up for success in a, in a process or manufacturing role. It doesn't even have to be metallurgy focused. I thought his advice was very comprehensive for all different fields. So a lot we discussed in this episode. Before we get into it, I wanted to ask. You guys could leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. That would mean the world to us. It helps promote our podcast to more people who are interested in the field of material science and get more people involved in our community. So now
2: let's get right into the episode. Hello, everyone. In today's episode, I'm very excited to welcome Nick Stendel, a process metallurgist and head of quality at ASW Pang LLC, a company that focuses on the manufacturing of various types of spring wire. Nix earned his master's in MSE from New Jersey Institute of Technology in 2017 after earning his bachelor's in metallurgical engineering at the Government Engineering College in India. Nix has held several metallurgical engineering roles ranging in his scope from lean manufacturing at Alpha Gamma Abrasive Products to customer and supplier interactions at Rocknell Faster to his current role at ASW Peng in failure analysis and root cause analysis. Nix has seven years of experience in metallurgy, and I'm excited for this conversation. Thanks so much for joining us today.
0: Thank you, David, for the brief introduction. I really appreciate that, and thank you for having me
1: here. So, Nick, let's start with your story and why you got into metallurgy. To us, to me, it feels like metallurgy was kind of the precursor to this new, I guess, major with material science and engineering, but it still plays a very key part in the field of material science. So can you just talk us through what got you interested in metallurgy and why you're so passionate about it today?
0: Sure, definitely. So I think so this my journey for metallurgy has started at really young age while I was in high school. So where uh, it's mainly we have a family manufacturing business. So my father is also metallurgist and I was seeing him in the family business, how he's doing, how he's developing the stuff. and since then I've been more curious about the, how the whole metallurgy field works. and then I after the high school I started pursuing my undergrad in the metallurgical engineering field. So after that, when I start doing more, Undergrad, undergraduate, work, I realized start doing the internship in my field where I start learning the more practical knowledge alongside with my theoretical background knowledge. And after that, I start doing, involving more and more because in the undergraduate, all the courses, new courses comes every semester. So I was kind of reading the theoretical knowledge and applying on my like practical knowledge with my, together with my father, you know, which was greatly maintained by my father. And since then I'm like more heroes in metallurgical freedom. And then I did more filler analysis and all different stuff on that one. So that's kind of like my short journey over there in the metallurgical metallurgical. metallurgical field.
2: Why don't you also walk us through what a day in the life of a metallurgist looks like in your field?
0: Yeah, sure, definitely. Let's start with very small basic definition of metallurgy. So basically metallurgy is a very specific field of materials science, which focuses particularly on the metals like aluminum, steel, iron, or the special metals like titanium. So as my day-to-day activity involves like analyzing the process chart. The day or the yesterday how it been the all processes has been drained through because those processes directly impacts the product quality or the finished product so i will be analyzing those process analysis on that one then uh, apart from that one will be involving the microstructure analysis of the particular product which is like i would say the very key quality factor which determines the quality of the products in the microstructure label you can see what type of the Microstructure it is and is it the good for that particular product or not? and as well as the mechanical uh, testing data from the previous or the current day in order to see the product quality has been proper or as per the customer standards or not. And as a metallurgist, I also do the failure analysis. Uh, If we are having the internal failure analysis or the external failure analysis, then I will be going along with the teams. What are the, where did this particular failure has been happened on the process side? And then how did that happen? what was that particular metal what was that particular product was that and then we'll be going from that to using that particular root cause analysis and various tools using that one and yeah, so this is like some brief introduction on my, as a matter of my day-to-day activities, but there are a few more other stuffs will be also going on uh, working with the executive teams uh, to making sure working on the new product development or like doing the commissioning of the new machine installation to make sure our new product uh, development will work through that and various other stuffs will be involved.
2: I'm curious to the effect of working remote versus in-person. It sounds like a lot of what your job does is analysis, either microstructure or process. And so it sounds like a lot of it can be figured out at home. But I also want to hear your thoughts about going to the factory yourself and seeing the process done in person.
0: It all depends like the materials on that one. I would say like currently in my role, where it's most of the time I need to be in-person in the operation side. Because that involves failure analysis and root cause analysis on the material side. Like even the day-to-day activity I have to analyze from microstructure. So uh, you can have the photographs and all available from the, you know, your work location. But as a metallurgist, I personally feel that one. as soon as I see the microstructure using the optical microscope, then it makes more sense to take is this the perfect microstructure or not. So, again, it goes on that what is the day-to-day activity uh, looks like. If it's you are involved more on the process uh, side, doing the investigation, checking in the microstructure side, and doing the various testing, if you are involved in the R&D side, like doing the new product development, It's uh, very important that you are on site, how the process is working, how you are carrying out the new product development with the team, because that involves a lot of cross-functional team work and also the communication uh, with the team. And then and then we can make sure that the product what we have developed it's uh, as per the specification. And there are some roles where you can do the hybrid, but it's not uh, like hundred percent you can do remote. But most of the time, it involves the in person uh, testing and all the stuff.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I think especially when you're trying to do root cause analysis or anything like that on the process side, then, you know, they call it going to Gemba, go to where the work is done, right? Walk the line, see what's happening. So there's a lot of power in that, obviously but i want to focus on the products that you're mentioning right i know your company specifically works on various types of spring wires so that's a that can be a niche field so i was just wondering you know what are the differences between your spring wire product portfolio does one product or manufacturing of one product require a completely different knowledge base of metallurgy or are you applying a lot of the same principles how does your role differ for the manufacturing of one spring wire versus another if there is any difference
0: so let's just go through the different uh, i will break it down this part so we as a we manufacture various spring wire products that goes in the automobile industry, then it can go into the agriculture industry and the fiber optics industries as well. So in automobile, it's various parts. It could be involved in the engine, the transmission rings, or it can go into the as a wall spring. So it's various different products, uh, variety of the products involved in the spring wire manufacturing. So it depends uh, like what the customer requirements on that particular products uh, involving that one. So we do manufacture the various uh, spring wire products that goes into the various industries such as like automobile or the agriculture or recently like fiber optics markets as well so it all depends on the what end customer requirements are like all the wire size could be the similar but the product application will be the various differently and so like one of the we are producing currently on the very fine wire size. It could be range from the 0197 inch to the 087 inch, which is considered in the wire industry fine size. And those are products used into the automobile engine transmission rings. Then other products are used into the developing 5G technology or fiber optics market so again that goes to the different individual products that i has been manufacturing so all products that we are manufacturing will be depend on the what processes we are using that one and then based on that processes all the characteristics will be the different for that particular product And again, it's very tricky to uh, define, it is similar or different, but uh, I would definitely would love to say that one. That is, uh, in the spring manufacturing, there is uh, oil-tempering spring products, which particularly goes into the automobile engine transmission. Then that is how we call it the hard-drawn which doesn't go to the oil tempering process, which is like one of the heat treatment process. And that will be the application will be the different. Like some products will go into the, like, you know, in the very simple example will be the car seat, you know, you press the button, it goes back and forth. So there is a spring involved in that. Like some of the, our wire will be, it goes to that, our customer and they make that particular spring. So that will be used in the car seat or they will make the very small spring that will go into the transmission ring. So again, this depends on how the end customer requirement will be, what our client will requirement will be.
2: So you kind of mentioned there that for automotive, even for like a transmission spring ring or other parts, the way you treat it, like a oil treatment can differ. And that's like the main process differences. Could you maybe go a little bit deeper and tell us like, are all spring rings like made and then the treatments are different or it seems like you do such a wide range of products how is it like feasible to mass scale produce all these at the same plant in a way that it works that you can produce all these niche applications while still being like efficient and not having like a million different products that you have to make from scratch
0: Yeah, so what I would love to do that, I will definitely go over through the the spring manufacturing process. So that will kind of give you the idea how the whole spring wire that manufactured, because basically what we are doing is manufacturing the spring wire, and then we ship it to our customer. They will make the spring from that particular wire. So let's go with that spring wire manufacturing process. So what happens is we will take the wire rod, which can be the various range from the various uh, rod vendor. Those steel rod vendor will be across the states or across the globe. Once uh, we will get that particular wire rod, we will do the, depending on, again, this goes to the end product, what you are planning to manufacture. So we do plan in advance that once the material arrives, what's the next finished product that for that particular product. After that, we will do the depending on the product requirement, that is a various equipment process will be involved uh, initially, or it could be the directly cold forming. The basically cold forming process will be like you take particular size of the wire. So like I have this, you have this size of wire, right? So you draw it down using the cold forming. So this will be very size like this, very fine size uh, or the intermediate size, we call it. And then after that, if your end product is ready for oil tempering process, then you will see the oil tempering process, which is like the heat treatment process. So just to give you the brief overview on that, what is heat treatment? If someone asks me, then it's very, I would describe in the very simple way that You can change that without changing this particular product appearance you will change its internal mechanical properties that's where the microstructure gets involved that is it the properly heat treated part or not then we will have that cold forming process after that we could be doing one of the heat treatment process we call it the patenting the patenting process is also a treatment process but that makes the wire more softer if you want to do the more further cold forming or wire drawing process in that particular wire rod because from the wire rod, for example, you are on the old 350 inch wire rod. And if you want to go directly to the 0150, there is a certain uh, limitation on that particular wire rod. So you have to like do that, make more software. So in order to going to the 350 to the 150 you have to do the patenting process to make the wire more softer and you can achieve the finished product characteristics so that's one of the patenting process then our product will go through the patenting process and after that we will be doing the more cold forming or the wire drawing process and once over there uh, we will do the wire drawing process we will send it to the oil tampering process that particular product so in oil tampering process uh, as i mentioned earlier that we change only the internal that process will change only the internal characteristics of the material and uh, once that's done then we will be doing the further finished product testing which involves that one okay this product has met the our customer requirement or not and once that has been done then we will approve that particular product and that will go so like in the wire i'm not sure like everyone has seen the wire manufacturing plant but there will be like 20 strand lines will be running on the one machine and all the 20 lines will be running at the different speed or temperature or the going through that very speed and those 20 uh, wires lines can be millions of pounds or thousands of pounds will be producing in a day or so so yeah this is kind of like spring i would say the wire manufacturing industry looks like again if you are in the different industry segment like medical industry or some other the processes might be different but that's how like currently we are manufacturing in the wire industry
1: that's awesome thank you for walking through that entire process i was curious about the purpose of enhancing or changing the internal characteristics of the spring wire via the heat treatment, you know, the oil tempering. So my understanding is that these spring wires need to be able to withstand higher, you know, stresses and tensions. Is that the purpose of changing the microstructure via this oil tempering? Can you just walk us through that process and the purpose of it in more detail?
0: Yeah, sure. So once we have the cold form or the wire drawn wire, that wire can be banded. If you try to band, it will band, and it will retain its shape as it is. So, if you have seen the spring, you know you press it, you release it, it will come back to its original state, right? So that's what the oil tempering process where comes in in the place, and that plays a very crucial role. Like as a metallurgist, uh, we call it the austenizing temperature. So we will heat up the product to the austenizing temperature. And once we will crunch it to the particular temperature, we will form in the martensite structure and then after that we will be doing the more tempering process on that particular product so we'll form the tempered martensite which is the very key microstructure in that our spring products where uh, you know once you like i would say all temper wire products we try to bend it and release it it will come back but if you bend more than so, uh, limit you know, it will retain its shape and then it will not come back to its particular shape so that changes the whole process will change the internal microstructure and which will change that mechanical properties of that particular microstructure and this will uh, help our customer to make the particular spring or the application they are planning to use it for that one so that's how like in the oil tempered wire product that's uh, really i would say the heart of that particular process uh, which change the whole characteristics before the oil temper and after the oil
2: temper process could you like just give a brief estimation how much stronger does a wire get after being oil tempered
0: so, I can give you in the estimation based on the tensile properties where you stress the wire and you will see where it's breaking. So, like it could be very on the range. Again, I cannot define very generally on that one, but it depends uh, what is your product. Yeah, uh, chemical composition is also plays the part on. It could be very range from the three hundred to the three fifty ksi i on that particular range. But again, if you are different products, your range will be different on that one. So before the oil tempering process, you might be around. Again, it goes to the chemical composition. So and more than 150 ksi or something 200 ksi or more, and then you are changing the whole, whole tensile range. This is just the one of the characteristics on that one. Then you will be looking on the surface of that particular product on the microscope. It's also the one type of microscope, rather going into the microstructure detail, but you will look onto the particular surface. So that how that surface also plays the very crucial role on the spring manufacturing. If your surface of that particular product it's not well, there is high chances while it's manufactured uh, as a spring, it can break or something will not go right over there
1: So now let's dive into one of the key responsibilities of your role, which is failure analysis. So we haven't discussed this in a lot of detail in a little bit on our podcast, but can you just walk us through the importance of failure analysis and maybe some of the problem solving methods or analytical methods that you use when trying to identify the root cause of a failure?
0: so failure analysis is really important in all the fields i would say that one because that will give you the chance of or i would say the opportunity for improvement either in the process side or either in the product side so this is uh, so failure analysis is really important and then you can use various tools depending on the what type the product failure is looks like either you can be let's first go into the tool side how that needs to be done and then how can use that lean manufacturing tool or the root cause analysis part on that for that particular failure so tooling side you can uh, use the optical microstructure the scanning electron microscope again what detail you are looking into that particular failure right like most of the in uh, failure analysis i've been doing on the microstructure level or the crack initiation or i will be u- working with the third party to making sure that one how it looks like under the scale like very detailed level not further down from the microstructure level using the scanning electron microscope so those are on the tool side you can use the various other tools depending what type of failure it looks like if your particular it can be involved the tensile testing or as well if you are doing on the uh, failure on that particular end so these are on the tooling side and but if you look on the like various analysis side you will be using the failure mode effect analysis where you will be put the particular product put the various process part into that if this process is not right can this product can cause that particular failure or not if this particular process parameter is not at this set point can this cause that particular failure if those are the things are falling into the place Then you will look into the further detail, okay, where this product came from or what was the chemical composition look like for that particular product, how the surface looks like for that particular product that it has occurred and then based on that factor, like I will be doing more analysis and then preparing the report that's involved, that's really important in the failure analysis. Whatever the process parameter or the failure parameters are involved, you will be combining those multiple factors and then preparing the, based on the analysis, I, uh, I will bring the report and then putting that everything into the place and then come to a conclusion or what will be the next step in order to improve that particular products uh, the process
2: side. That all sounds very important to understand the failure. But one thing that I think we could see an effect is like the profit. And so you personally made huge contributions in growing your company's revenue, almost at a 2x per year rate, which is crazy. What would you say is the most challenging aspects of your work? And is failure analysis the main reason why you were able to grow the revenue at such a high rate?
0: so i would definitely will say it's uh, team work uh, which is the most important in the organization where, where together we worked as a team and then we increased that revenue two times in the year you know so it's uh, not only the my failure analysis i would definitely say it's uh, various factors were involved yes the failure analysis of one of them but it's also the team together we worked in a team to make sure what we are trying to achieve so the operation side is the always challenging, rather than the failure analysis. I was because uh, failure analysis I have most of the expertise. I can see what could go wrong on that and how to make sure we improve. But the operation sets is really tricky, and then bring everyone on the same page and making sure we are doing as per it, is, it needs to be done and keeping you know bringing everyone onto the same page. It's always challenging on the operation side, and then process side is uh, most of the time is like once you set the processes, that's always uh, like 90% it goes smooth, but there are 10% chances that it could go wrong. And then uh, we like a lot of improvement over the period of time. Particular failure happens, we will find that particular root cause and making sure that we will implement the corrective actions and preventive actions including all the team members, because our team members are the very place, the really important role to making sure what we are doing on the process side or the product side, they understand and why that's uh, important is requirement. So that's one of the things that's required, and then once everyone comes on the team, then everyone will bring up that idea. Like quite often, time I have seen that when we are doing the corrective actions and preemptive actions meeting, which a lot of team members will bring up this. Hey, you know, let's implement this this will improve this particular side of that product of the process and then we will be further improve on that side and over the period of time we implemented those things and that helped us to grow that uh, like we produce the wire very consistently very qualitatively and then quantitatively as well and that helped us the re- uh, grow the revenue way quicker than we have thought on that one
1: so speaking of those ideas, I want to touch on innovations that you're looking forward to in the field that you're working in, spring wires or even metallurgy in general. Are there any exciting upcoming innovations that you're in particular looking forward to in the near future, whether it's in like the next five years, next 10 years?
0: Oh, that's the trickiest question because spring wire manufacturing is like 200 year or two hundred fifty more than that, I mean. Like our headquarter has like in the museum, like they use the bull cart to draw the wire.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So now we are drawing at really high speed, drawing the wire high speed at, uh, it's crazy 1000 feet a minute, or you can go like 2000 feet a minute, that machine. So in terms of the innovation that we are seeing on the machine side, that trying to draw the wire faster so that will increase the productivity side and the more innovation comes from our end customer we will not know even though what products they are working on but as a spring wire manufacturer we will have the certain quality characteristics and that will be pretty like nice i would say very stringent requirement and it's really hard to achieve or it, it can various uh, parameter could go wrong on that particular requirement and those are the directly in uh, related with that innovation that will be particularly our end customer will be working on that one it could be like cleaner surface or it could be like no we are looking for that particular quality requirement can you fulfill that one because since they are really high-end project they will not tell us like what product innovation we uh, we are working on but uh, yeah we always see how consistently and how qualitatively we reduce the Wow. So those are the innovation side. Will I would definitely would love to say that these things will be go ongoing on that
2: one. I can't believe it's so old, to be honest. (laughs) That sounds like it's come a very long way. But maybe just to wrap up today's conversation, I just want to end on some advice about failure analysis in MSC. I think that MSC and metallurgy students are uniquely situated out of any of the engineering disciplines to be successful in failure analysis. And failure analysis is used in all fields, not just metallurgy. But I think all of us use failure analysis. So what do you think that we can do as MSC students to further set themselves apart in success when we talk about failure analysis?
0: So I think the first important thing is the academic background, that you take the courses that related with the failure analysis or your point of interest on that particular failure analysis. The important stuff is you know that how that particular material works, like material characterization, how that mechanical behavior works, and the failure analysis technique, that academic foundation is the really key factor on, on that one alongside while you are doing the academic it's really important you spend more time on laboratory and research doing the research on the materials or particular failure and then go back onto that if you're doing the failure then go back work your way back how this failure can happen what process it came through what was the material and those stuff and uh, really important the third step will be hands-on training that do the internship in the industry in the industry you, you want to work that are it's a various industry in the states and across the globe. It could be the semiconductor or the metallurgical, like the heat treatment. Or there is one more field at the melting department. It's also involved. It feels like that one. So do the hands-on training while you are pursuing the MSc, and then based on the training, your hands-on experience in the lab, develop your skills or your analytical skill skills. How that will be correlated with uh, all this uh, stuff and these analytical skills will really help you to develop your understanding on the filler analysis side and there are various like lean manufacturing tools that's also plays the role on your filler analysis like you can use that particular tools uh, like five whys, uh, like why this failure happened. You ask the why till you find the end answer. This is one of the examples. So lo- you learn those manufacturing tools, and yeah, I'm sure this will definitely will get you, like in the failure analysis, feel easily to uh, developing your understanding in the analysis and the process side.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. There's not much I I can really add to that because I think you had very comprehensive advice. I think there's a lot of companies nowadays that are implementing some of those like lean manufacturing methods, right? Lean problem solving. Just one of them, just from personal experiences is, is GE. But I just encourage our audience to to kind of look out for that. I think it is, you know, a powerful problem solving method, good to learn, or just even doing your your research offhand, you don't necessarily need to do the internship before learning about what Lean and Six Sigma are and and what those uh, methodologies involve. But overall, Nix, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure having you and pleasure learning about your field, learning about failure analysis and metallurgy in general. So again, very grateful for you joining us today.
0: No, thank you, Puneet and David. I really appreciate your time for uh, going through this uh, process and I really appreciate that and uh, thank you for your time.
1: As a materials engineer we can make an impact in nearly every single industry but with that versatility comes a lot of options to choose from so if you have no idea which position or industry is right for you you're not alone i've been there i've done that but just for a moment imagine narrowing down your ideal role and company within the week imagine being able to secure your dream offer without having to apply to hundreds of job openings our online course mse academy includes video testimonials, resumes, interview prep, and mentorship from materials engineers who have been in your shoes. We also connect our members with companies and industry professionals in our expansive network to help accelerate your job search process as much as possible. To learn more and get started, simply click the link in the show notes below. And if you enroll within the next 24 hours, we'll add three bonus career-related resources. I hope to see you there.